Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, April 24th, 2021. Well, as we reach the weekend here on this Saturday, we also reach a new book of the Bible, the book of Judges. And the book of Judges we're going to see is a book that you can describe with one word, cycles. And we are going to see these cycles that happened in the book of Judges were really a downward spiral leading to a very tragic and sad end of the book. But what we want to talk about is how we can break free from the cycles that we see in the book of Judges. So today we read Judges chapter 1, and it begins by describing more conquest in Canaan and even retells the story of Caleb and uh, the places that he took over in the promised land. And so that seems to be an encouraging start. But then as we get to the end, we start reading about failure. We start reading about uh, them not driving out uh, certain inhabitants of the land. And even as we talked about a little bit in Joshua, I think it's important to note that it says they did not drive out. Uh, I don't think that it's, that it's really a factor that they could not. And if they could not, it was probably something to do with their sin or their failure to really trust God. Every time we see in Joshua and Judges somebody stepping up by faith to believe the promises of God, we see victory. And so I think that when we see these failures here, it's not that they were weak uh, in might. Uh, They were always kind of weak in might. It was God who was driving people out before them. But here we see them fail to do that. And it's really the beginning of a very sad book of the Bible, really. The book of Judges is, is not, you know, the most uplifting because it tells the story of these cycles. And often you can describe these cycles with various words. Usually they start with sin. The, the nation is not being faithful to God. And one of the ways, main ways we're going to see that throughout the book of Judges is their idolatry, that they abandon God to serve false gods. Or even here at the end of chapter one, we see them failing to obey and to do all that God had commanded them to do in the promised land. And after sin comes suffering. We are going to see all kinds of even foreign nations and rulers come in and assert their dominance over the people of Israel. And the people of Israel will suffer for an extended period of time. And then we'll see salvation where God will raise up judges Uh, that will save and rescue. Really, it's God doing the saving, but he will use a judge to help rescue and save the people from the, the nation or the king that is oppressing them. And then we will see silence, where normally after this, we'll see phrases like, and the land had rest for however many years, that then there will be a a time of silence. And then the cycle starts up again, and we see more sin, and then more suffering, and then salvation from a different judge, and then silence again. And I think we will see that it does tend to be a little bit of a downward spiral as the book goes on and really ends with all kinds of chaos there in the book of Judges. And so we see the beginning of that today, and we're going to see some different identifiers that we're going to come to find phrases that are used often in the book of Judges. Uh, We're going to see that there is no king in Israel. We're going to see that people just do whatever is right 
in their own eyes. And one thing I think as we think about the book of Judges is it does show that Israel needed a king. And then we're going to move into 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles. And we're going to see none of those human kings could really fit that role. And ultimately, uh, Israel needed a Messiah, a savior. And we know that savior king is Jesus Christ. And so as we think through the book of Judges, we want to look at that cycle and say, I don't want any part of that. I don't want to be a part of that system. I don't want to be a part of that cycle of sin, suffering, a kind of a temporary salvation, and then silence. And we know, obviously, the way to break free from that cycle is through this king that came, Jesus Christ. There was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. We need a king, King Jesus. And we can become a part of his kingdom really through faith. We don't earn our spot in his kingdom. Uh, he willingly grants it to us through to be received by faith. It has been earned by the righteousness and the atonement of Jesus Christ, and it's offered to us as a gift, as we have seen in Romans. But now as we think about breaking out the cycle, that's going to lead us to the book of Romans a little more in depth. So we know that we get free from the cycle of sin, not through the works of the law, not through our own effort. It is through Jesus and what he has done, and it is received by faith. That is That argument has been made so clearly in the beginning chapters of Romans. But now we're going to see a pivot in the book of Romans where we're going to get into some passages that are very imperative. Now we're going to shift from kind of talking about theology or salvation or, or different things to just very practical commands that based on all the theology that we have seen, what are we supposed to do? And I think here's where we're going to find some instruction that will help all of us break free from the destructive cycles in our own lives. The first two verses say this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so there we see it has to start with, in light of all that God has done for us, The response that makes sense, even perhaps a better translation there at the end of the verse than your spiritual worship would be your reasonable worship, would be to offer our lives to the one who has saved us. And it gives this picture of a living sacrifice that we put our lives on the altar. And that's really what we need to do to break free from these cycles. We see these cycles happen when the people are doing what is right in their own eyes, When we acknowledge Jesus as king and we receive salvation as the free gift that it is, we really look to him and we want to say, Jesus, you're in control and my life is no longer mine. My life doesn't belong to me anymore. It belongs to you. And we offer it to him as a living sacrifice. That involves acknowledging the lordship of Christ, that he and he alone gets to call the shots. And we're not here in this life to please ourselves. We are here to honor and please our Savior and our King. And then there's also going to be involved in that a change in our mindset. In verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. There we see 
We, we can't just go with the flow of what the world thinks. We see a lot of that in Judges, people just going with the flow of whatever the popular opinion is. As Christians, we can't do that. We cannot just go with the flow of culture. Uh, the flow of our culture is just sweeping pretty swiftly to a kind of some kind of waterfall with sharp rocks at the bottom. It's not a very good scene what our culture is thinking. But every day we're going to be tempted in some way to be conformed into what the world thinks. But instead of being conformed, we are called to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And I don't think that's going to be possible without the Holy Spirit working in our lives through God's word. God has given us the Bible to give us that right perspective, to point us down the right path. That's why we do revival from the Bible, because we need it every single day. We need our minds to be transformed. And so when we start to break out of the the sinful cycles of our flesh and be transformed, we're going to see that means, hey, it's really all about God. My life is a sacrifice. It's not about me anymore. And that's going to kill pride, which we see in verse three, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. That part of this being transformed is not thinking too highly of ourselves. And then it really gets into serving because it talks about the body and there being many members and we are members of one another. And then we have various gifts to serve one another. So if you want to break free from the the cycle of sin that we're going to see in Judges, obviously, first and foremost, the only way to do that is through salvation, through Jesus Christ. But then as we live that out, it really means all of us saying, my life is not about me. I am here to honor God and I'm here to serve the body of Christ. And so this weekend, that's the main question I want to ask of you. What is your life all about? Is your life all about you? Then expect to see at least little tastes of these cycles that we see in the book of Judges. God is calling us to something different, and I would argue something better. He's calling us to be transformed, and he's calling us to put him first and to really make our lives about serving him and serving the body of Christ. Is that your perspective this weekend? Is is that really what characterizes your life? If we really understand the gospel, this is how we should be thinking. And as we think about some of the ways that the world thinks, we're going to see another call to think differently from that as we finish Psalm 50 today. Psalm 50 verses 16 through 23. And it talks about, it's rebuking the people here. And one way it does that in verse 18, it says, if you see a thief, you are pleased with him and you keep company with adulterers, right? He's saying, you see people out there sinning and you approve of it. You keep company with it, right? That's a, I think a taste of what it means to be conformed to this world, right? We're we're looking at even sin and, and praising it because it's cool or it's become glamorized, for whatever reason, where no, as Christians, we want to think differently. And they think he rebukes them here because they think they're getting away with it. And God even rebukes them for that in verse 21 saying, these things you have done and I have been silent. You thought that I was one like yourself, right? He's saying you thought that, well, if God was like me, he would zap me right away if I was doing something wrong. But God's saying, no, I operate differently than you do. And I've been silent while you have been sinning. But now he's saying, I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. Mark this then, you who forget God, lest I tear you apart 
and there be none to deliver. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. So we don't want to go with the flow of the world and praise unrighteousness and do those things. We want to honor God. And again, as we've seen in Psalm 50, one of the ways we do that is by offering him genuine thanksgiving. One final way we see we should think differently uh, than the world, we're going to see in Mark 3, verses 22 through 35. And as we see this, we're going to see even more interaction with Jesus and his family at the very end of it, where his mother and his brothers come and standing outside, they're calling to Jesus and they are, they tell Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he understood them. Who are my mother? And he answered them. Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and brothers for whoever does the will of God. He is my brother and sister and mother. I think Jesus is saying some pretty powerful things about the way Christians should think about other people that are seeking Christ and seeking to do his will. They are our family. Uh, Thinking differently, letting God's word transform our minds will make us think differently than the world does even about family. And I don't think Jesus is downplaying or trying to diss his physical family. No, one of the very last words we see Jesus ever speaking on the cross is him still caring for his mother. I don't think he is advocating us just to abandon our families physically. There's many things in the Bible even about honoring our parents, taking care of our children, and so on. But what we do need to do as Christians is really elevate the view we have of the other Christians in our lives. We need to think of them rightly as brothers and sisters and family in Christ. So as this weekend comes, we're going to start this journey of this downward spiral of cycles in the book of Judges. But may in our lives, we be breaking free from that cycle, being transformed by the renewal of our mind, living differently as we live for God and seek to serve the body of Christ. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.